0: I want to start by telling you that half of you is an unbeliever. I didn't say half of all y'all are unbelievers. That would be the Texas way of saying half of the church is unbelievers. What I'm saying is half of you as an individual is an unbeliever. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has convinced you that He is your Savior. And He has created a new person in your heart. That's a new spiritual nature, but you still have an old sinful nature, and everything about your old sinful nature, your natural person, is an unbeliever. What's interesting is both live inside of us as Christians, so because we have both, and we don't sit around and dissect and discern the difference between the two, our thoughts go from lack of faith to faith to great colossal mistakes to great successes in our moral and spiritual life and we move back and forth almost undiscerning sometimes in a nanosecond between the two. And so we don't always know what to do and we don't always know what to listen to and we don't always even listen. And that's why every Christian still needs God's law as a guide. Because they have an old sinful nature that needs to be corrected and straightened out and even The Bible says put to death by the law, and their new spiritual nature needs to be strengthened in that that love of God and love of people, which is the summary of all law, that's already there in their heart, and give them guidance on what that looks like. God's Word is light like that. So I've chosen as a pastor on this day, Father's Day, and in this series on relationships, to speak to you God's Word, mostly as a guide today, because... We need it. We just need that refreshing guide and wisdom about relationships, especially in regard to our relationship with parents or our relationship with our memory of our parents. So the very first insight that I want to remind you of is that God wants you to honor parents. And the the place I want to take you is in Paul's letter to the Ephesians it's a letter he wrote while he was in prison in Rome. And at the last half of the letter, he's instructing us about family life. And he just gets real tactical. And so look at the screen and you'll see that verse. God, Parents are God's idea. He regulates it. He, he talks about it. He blesses our relationship with our parents. And if you try to live irrespective of a relationship with parental guidance, God will not bless that. So here he goes. Children, obey your parents. Everybody read the next three words with me in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes an Old Testament commandment. It's the 10 Commandments. Honor your father and mother. And then he makes a comment, which is the first commandment in the 10 Commandments with a promise. This is the promise in, in Exodus, so that it may go well with you and you will enjoy a long life on the earth. When Paul wrote to his people, like me standing in front of you today, and he wanted to talk about family life, and he brought up children, He said, this is the big thing. Obey your parents. The the word literally means to listen under them, to stand in attention, ready to hear what parents are saying, and let them guide your life. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother is the Old Testament quote that that defines obedience. See, obedience isn't just doing behavioral change because your mom and dad want you to. It's actually honoring them In your heart by willingly wanting to do what they ask you to do. So rebellion against the will of a parent is is actually dishonoring them in your heart. It's not before it's ever in action. And what God is saying is, I gave you those parents and you know, God knows that they're not perfect. But he still gave them to you, and he wanted you to have them as parents in your life. So while you're under their roof, and you're under their tutelage to growing up, he wants you to honor them because he gave them to you. If they're not asking you to do something that's sinful, do it, even if it makes your life different than everybody else's. And there's rarely a parent that wakes up in the morning, and I said rarely, not always, there's rarely a parent that wakes up in the morning and says, I want to ruin my kids' lives today by trying to give them rules and guidance. They are, they are intending to bless you and protect you and give you the right path for life. And, and God uses imperfect parents to help you get to adulthood In a way that your little brain, as you're growing through all those years, can't fully function. When scientists tell us now that our brain is not fully developed until we're in what decade? Our 20s. Mid-20s. Women a little bit earlier, and men about 25 to 28. So all this time, as God created people, and he created family, he intended two people whose brain is largely fully developed. You know, you might have a teenage mom, but... But, but they're largely fully developed, while yours is not. And you're supposed to trust that they anticipate things that you cannot, right? So my, your dad probably said it too. My father said, your curfew is midnight. Because nothing good happens after midnight. I looked for that in the Bible and never found it. And sometimes I felt like I missed out on some pretty good things, right? But really, God was protecting me through my father, just like through your parents, to try to keep me out of harm's way and trouble's way and temptation's way, right? So that's an example. We also learn to honor the memory of our parents by the way that we look at them in our mind's eye and our heart's eye and present them to other people. We honor our father and mother so many different ways. But obedience is the, is the biggest way. That's the way the Bible talks about right here in the Bible verse. So let me explain to you, and, and you, you guys that are parents know this. I'll give you an example. That, that'll be better than explaining. We were uh, leaving a soccer game and my boys were playing soccer. My oldest was coming off the soccer field. And they always kick off their cleats and they have in their bag like these uh, flip-flops, you know, to put on because their feet are all sweaty. And there was a single mom whose son was always getting, if you know soccer, yellow and red cards. And he, I, watching him deal with his mom, I think she should have given him a few red cards. So he was just real rebellious. And she, we're all walking together right away from, toward the parking lot. We're about to, Donovan's in his socks. He hadn't put his flip flops on. I don't think he had them that day. And we got to the sidewalk, and I, I mean, the, the parking lot, and I didn't want him to walk on the concrete in his socks because I didn't want him to wear a hole in them. So I said, we, we got to the curb and I said, socks. And he sat down on the curb and took them off. And she said, how'd you do that? And I said, well, I won that when he was two. But I thought to myself, there's times when I say socks and he doesn't take them off. And then I've got a power of the wills going on, struggle with the power of the wills. It was honoring to me as his dad for him to listen to what I said and do it. Now, you know that as a parent, you sense it and you feel it. And you feel the dishonor when a, a, a child decides they're going to bow their neck and rebel against you. I'm telling this in front of all of you. So all of us who are children, especially the ones that are still growing up, the biggest way to, to honor your parents is just to follow their advice and their guidance and their, their rules. It's huge. It's a great gift. And it's not all that hard. And it'll, it'll protect you. And God makes a promise. You don't have to know how. You can't, you don't have to reason it. Your brain's not fully developed anyway. Just trust that you'll live a longer life, a healthier life, a happier life, if you'll just follow your parents. As long as they're not asking you to do something that's sinful or wrong, even if it curtails your life, obey them, honor them. The second way that we do it is to thank them. we want, God wants us to be thankful and, and filled with gratitude. Look at this Bible verse. Before you look at it, though, this is a verse in Romans 1 where Paul is introducing his whole story in a letter to the Romans. Paul is saying that the world is filled with all kinds of wicked sins. And in the middle of the list of wicked sins is this verse. One of the sins, he says, is just total disregard for God and to worship creation rather than God. That's it's a idolatry, wicked sin. And this is what he says. Although people knew God, they neither glorified him as God. And look, read this yellow, these yellow words with me. Nor gave thanks to him and their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. A huge mark of unbelief is a spirit of ingratitude toward God. Let's flip it. A huge mark of faith is to have a spirit of gratitude toward God, not a thanks that's forced. Yes, I will say thank you because you're telling me I need to, but a thankfulness that is real because you know you're a sinner saved by grace. You know you didn't, you're not, you're not your own idea. You didn't wake up 500 years ago and say in the 2000s, 1900s and 2000s, I'm going to invent you. God created you. You're his idea, and you know it, and you know that you've fallen short of what his ideal was for you, so then you feel indebted to him, and then you, as a Christian, you know you're forgiven, and that he loves you through his son, Jesus Christ, and so you have gratitude for being his idea, you have gratitude that he didn't go zzz when you started sinning, and you have gratitude that he forgave you of all your sins and still loves you, protects you, and blesses you, and you're filled with gratitude, if you remember all that, which... We need help remembering it because we are unbeliever and believer at the same time. So Paul writes, and he says they weren't thankful. And he tells us to have thanksgiving too. And he wants us to be thankful with our parents. I know, I know that for the first 25 years, I showed very little thanks to my parents than I did the last few years I had them, the last 10 and it, and it really came home the second week of the first child in our home as you're taking care of this little human being and they're screaming at you a lot. And it's hard to figure out what to do. And then, it's all one way, right? I called up my mom one time during that first two weeks and I said, she answered the phone and said, thank you. She said, what for? I said, for the first two weeks that I was in your home. Because I never really fully let that sink in all those years that you took care of six of us that way. And I just want to tell you thank you because what you did for me, I got to do for this kid for a long time. Gratitude, right? God wants us to have that gratitude toward our parents. And he wants us to express it. Um, I remember when my father was, he, he had a long illness that took him to heaven, it took him two and a half years from the onset that we discovered in him going to heaven. But I remember one of my friends, our pastor Galeski, that was a, as a mentor for me, he said, you need to write your dad a letter of thanks every now and then. Just list off, it'll be a blessing to him. And it was, but I, I hadn't even thought of it. I had to be led to do that. So I'm leading you to do that. While you still have your parents, text it, write it, say it, show it. I am so grateful to have you as a parent in my life. I know my parents are completely at peace in heaven, both of them, but I sure would like to tell them one more time, thank you. Just thank you. Let's go to the next one. This one is perhaps my favorite in the list today. The third one, forgive them. I think this is something that we struggle with as Christians to really understand. One guy told me in a meeting one time, Pastor, forgiveness is the hardest part of Christianity. Actually, forgiveness is the hardest part of being a human. Christianity brings to the table the gift to forgive. Jesus Christ, who forgave us of everything, is living inside of us. And his love that's so undeserved for us sinners is there ready to tap into to forgive other people. And what we do is we tend to live as functional atheists, and we don't forgive. So whenever the apostles would write about forgiveness to Christians, they'd say things like this, Paul writing in the Colossians, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, get even. No. Uh, Give them the cold shoulder. No. Be sarcastic. No. No. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How? As the Lord forgave you. We get ourselves way off track because we are thinking we got to forgive because they are showing true remorse or they're not going to do it again or it feels right to forgive or we won't be so vulnerable if we forgive. We, have, we try to find these reasons to give us strength to forgive someone that are all empty. But it's only when you go back and look at how the Lord forgave you that you actually have the strength and power to forgive others. And it's real. It's real. You can forgive your parents. And some of the things that your parents, mistakes that they've made, sins that they've committed against you, are so big and so hard that you feel like there's just not something that could be so big that you'd be able to forgive that thing. And so you live with a sense of unforgiveness and bitterness and rejection of your parents. Or maybe it's some other adult in your family. And God says, I want you to trust me that you can forgive them. I'm going to give it, you the strength to do that. Do it because I forgave you. I will give you the strength to let them off the hook. Real quick, two stories. The first one was, is told by a Christian singer named Annie Chapman. You might have heard of Stephen Annie Chapman. They've been singing... And the Christian community for about 40 years. But this is a song that Annie wrote about two people she knew in her life. And it's about forgiveness. And uh, I'm just going to read to you the lyrics, okay? And then I want you to just go. It's called Two Children by Annie Chapman. Go to YouTube. Listen to it on the way home. It'll be a blessing for you. Two children, a brother and a sister, born to a father who was a slave to wine. They do remember their younger years of sorrow. How their daddy used to hurt them time after time but somehow the two became so different their lives turned out to be like day and night he lives in peace up in Ohio she was bitter until the day she died I wondered what could make the difference in the two of them both had reasons to be bitter but one was so sweet How could one live in peace and not the other? Not long ago, the answer came clear to me. I saw the brother at his daddy's grave, placing flowers there. His eyes were filled with tears. He said, Daddy, once again, I do forgive you for the way that you made us suffer through the years. So I can see how the two could be so different, how their hearts turned out to be like day and night. He lives in peace up in Ohio. She was full of hate until the day she died. They live in forgiveness up in Ohio. She was bitter till the day she died. A bitter heart was the reason that she died. It's a poignant, poignant song. Uh, One of the YouTube, there's several of them, but one of the YouTube videos of her singing it at a concert, she stops after the song and says, I think some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, she was the daughter. She probably was hurt more by her father. And, and Annie knows these two brothers, sister. She said, no, actually, the, 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 the daughter was more bitter about what the father had done in beating the son so often. But the son forgave his dad. I just share it as an example of how Christ in you can give you the power to forgive because of Jesus, not because of the person. The second one is a man in my life that I know that coached our boys in basketball. He's, he was such a great example to our kids, and he was such a blessing to our families, and I wanted to get to know him. I've told this story before that I asked him if we could go to lunch. This was about four years ago, and we did go to lunch, and it was a wonderful one-on-one time with him. And he's still coaching kids today. His kids have grown through the, you know, those high school years, but he's still coaching them today, investing back in the community. And I said to him, tell me who you are, what you're about, what, what makes you tick, what makes you give so much back to the community. And he, he told me his life story, and he told me his father and his mother were never married, and his father d- abandoned his mother in a re- their relationship very early, and he was raised by his mother and his grandmother. And he said, I knew my dad was out there somewhere in Texas, but I didn't ever know him. And he said, I was in my 30, early 30s when my dad looked me up. And he said, oh, son, I wa- I'm your dad, I want to see you. And he said it was frightening, but I went to his doorstep. We lived here in the Austin area, and I didn't even know that for a long time that he was in the area. I went to his door, knocked on the door, and when he opened it, I had already rehearsed this, he said. I said, Dad, I'm your son, Chris. I want to have a relationship with you, but there's only one way we can do this. We have to utterly and completely forgive and forget the past. I'm not going to enter this relationship with you feeling like you have to make up for anything. I want to start right now with a clean slate. And we just love each other as father and son. And he said his father just broke down crying. I mean, can you imagine the guilt and the shame and the sorrow that a dad would have knowing he had abandoned his little kid? And then to have his son say all of that. And and, and then when we were having that lunch... This is what Chris said. He said, you don't know this, Don, but my dad is in the Round Rock Hospital dying of cancer right now. I'm leaving this lunch to go be with him. But last night he said to me, why is the one son that I abandoned and didn't serve all those years the one that's serving me so much now at the end? And Chris said, it's all God and his love working inside of me. Forgive your parents. Be Christ to them. They are imperfect. They're forgiven. Show them what grace is all about. Let it go. The next one, the last one, is to support them. And when you are in forgiveness towards someone, it's very easy to support them, but it's not always what we think of. So, Paul gives direction to Timothy about families in his church. So, these are Timothy's the pastor, and these are families in his church. And these are two passages that are really close to one another, but I skipped some other things that were a little bit off topic in between. So I'm going to read it to you. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Remember that thankful heart, taking care of mom and dad? Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Our culture outside of this church building that we live in is about rugged individualism, about taking care of yourself. Siblings tend to, in our culture, not think that they should take care of each other financially, emotionally, Parents tend to think they're successful if they can financially take care of themselves in their retirement years and would not never have to borrow or use or live with their children. And we are, we are taught to, to, to be separate and keep it in little boxes and not do it together. Where God says the whole family is to be taking care of the whole family. Emotionally, financially, all those things, we are one. That's why I put you together in families. And if a need comes up in a family, God knows all things. He's helping pull people together, right? Now, we can be thankful that in our society as a country with our Social Security and other things like Medicaid and Medicare, that we have a a way that we're also trying to help families and help individuals, right? But sometimes your family member just needs you to sit with them to figure out the paperwork for Social Security or make a decision about what the doctor's telling them. You can have this surgery or you can have this treatment. And sometimes the family member's not even there and they're trying to figure it out on their own. God says, take care of them. And when you've done that for 18 years, then you and your parents are even. Get what I'm saying? So when you're thinking, no, no, it's, this is way too much. Well, for 18 years, Paul says, repay them, right? If you want to start counting the cost, well, then let's count the cost of what it took to raise you. Then we'll just see how even it is, right? It's, it's beautiful how simple and basic God's word can be when it's dealing with a sinner and a saint, which is you and me in the same heart. Or we cannot talk about paying and repaying, because we can just live in the gospel, which means you spend your life for each other until when? One of you goes to heaven, right? You spend your life for each other. So it can all be love, or it, but if it's going to be duty, well then repay them. Honoring our parents. Do you remember the list? It's printed for you in your folder. Honor them, which includes obedience. What's the next one? Thank them, forgive them, and support them. You might, there's, there's, there's enough pain sometimes in our hearts when we're thinking about this and enough of our own problems that this can almost be hard to wrap your heart and your mind around because you're thinking, oh, just, there's still too much there. Listen. God never intended for your parents to replace Him. He's your Heavenly Father. So, if you're struggling to figure out what to do in your head and heart with parents or your memory of your parents, stop focusing on them and you. That's like two stagnant ponds sometimes. <laughs> Instead, focus on God, getting to know God better. When you get into the Word more, just listening and growing and understanding the beautiful messages of the Bible for your own soul Getting to know your Heavenly Father better. It's like in that picture in the background. That man there is God and you're holding his hand. And then you'll be able to walk through your life with the strength of God, with the wisdom of God, with the peace of God, with the forgiveness of God, whatever it is you need at the time. So if, if you're looking and you're searching in your mind how to get this all sorted out about your relationship with your parents and you don't know what to, where to start, just start by getting to know God better. He'll take care of it. You know why? He's your heavenly Father. He owns you. He loves you. And He'll never let you go. Amen.